Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How do you look back on your time at Spurs? The first and the third years I was there, as in my ability to play, were the best years of my life. Um, at the end of that third year, I tore a meniscus in my knee. I ended up having four operations, I think, in about 12 months, and my career was over. I didn't realise it at the time. It was the thing that killed me. I, I, was, never, I was never the same after that. Hello and welcome to the last word on Spurs. Hope you're all keeping well as we continue to fight and battle the coronavirus. And as again, we try and bring you another ex-Spurs player to reflect on his time at the club. Delighted to have alongside me for this one, Jason McGovern. Jace, how are you keeping? Not too bad. Like again, it's good to talk about the old times. So looking forward to the next hour or so, mate. Yes, and pleased to have another, as you say, former Spurs player on. A player that made 124 appearances between 1992 to 1998. One of the important members in our backline of the mid-90s. Delighted to have on the show, Dean Onstin joins us. Dean, how are you keeping? How are you? Hi, Rick. Hi, Jace. Keeping well, thanks. Keeping well. Yep, not bad, not bad at all. Thanks, Dean. Pleasure to have you on. Um, we get a Thank chance you. to reflect back with you on your time at Spurs and obviously what you're doing now and a bit of escapism and light relief for some supporters, I think, for the last couple of, say, last six, 12 months talking about the current team. It's nice to actually have a break away from that and take some time out to interview some ex-players and just see what they're up to nowadays and talk about their time at the club. And Dean, I suppose we'll start with the fact that your early days started out, 12 years old at Watford. But the career path yeah. just wasn't an easy one for you, was it, at the time? No, I, I don't think it has been a, a cross, to be fair. I, I think through the start of my football career was, um, you know, it's, it was very enjoyable. Like, I've got to say, I, I enjoyed every minute of it. It wasn't an easy path. I had a lot of rejection. Um, I had to show a lot of resilience, but I think that's very, very important. I'm, I'm a great believer that um, I don't think you... You learn from things going right all the time. I think that you have to do things wrong. You have to make mistakes. And, you know, sometimes you have to be patient to be a winner. Um, and I, th- I feel exactly the same in my sort of 16, 17 years that I've been doing as a, as a coach come manager as well. Dean, interestingly, you were, uh, at the time, David Webb paid 14000 take you to South End. 
How did that finally feel to become a professional footballer at that age? I was very cautious about making the jump at the time. I was playing. I got released from Watford when I was eighteen. Um, I went back there between the age of twelve. I got released when I was fourteen. I went to different clubs and was rejected, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then I went back to Watford when I was sixteen, seventeen. Tom Wally took me back there, and um, I I then got released, went to St Albans, and had a really uplifting experience. You know, 18 years old, I was playing in men's football, doing really well. And, and there was a lot of clubs that were looking at me at that, that time. Southend were the ones that came in and put their money where their mouth was. But I actually was a bit sceptical about making the jump purely because of finances, to be fair. It was an hour's journey from my from my home in um, Hemel Hempstead at the time. And I was earning, I was a ceramic tiler. Um, working for the council and I was earning all right money there and I was earning half, de- half decent money at St Albans and the money that I was earning with them two jobs was was more money than what Southend were prepared to pay me so I was a little bit sceptical but um, I think I was just a month before my 20th birthday when I when I was at Southend or went to Southend and I just thought Right, I'm, I'm not even 20 yet. I'm just coming up 20. They're going to give me a year and a bit's contract. I haven't got anything to lose. I'm going to go for this. I'm young enough. I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to worry about the money. I'm going for the opportunity. And hopefully the opportunity, I can, I can end up making a living. I can end up making a living um, out of this. And if I don't, then... Well, I can always go back. There was loads of non-league clubs that wanted me at the time, and the non-league scene at the time was paying quite quite good money. And my my bosses had said that I could go back, and there would be a job there for me if I, if I, if it didn't work out. So it was a no-brainer in the end, really. Well, you joined Southend the season with just after the Tottenham had played them in the in the League Cup over two legs and. And people can remember that. That was an incredibly tight cup tie the time and, and that for Tottenham to go through. But but in your time at Southend, you did pretty well there with back-to-back promotions from the fourth to the third and the third to the second. And then on Boxing Day in that second division, you were actually top of the league and, and chasing an, an astonishing third successive promotion. Yeah, we had... Um, I think that... Um, yeah, you're right... Um, it was it was incredible. It was a great time. We was incredibly successful. Um, I went in, and that time we were hovering around the automatic places, sort of in, in, in the playoffs, but hovering around the automatic places. And I went in. I remember about the, for about the first two three weeks, I never um, never played. I was playing in reserve games. David Wet, but we got to. It was about this time, actually. It'd be interesting to know what the date was. It'd be round about now. We was playing. Um, the team had got beat on the Saturday four 0 to Maidstone with a very experienced team, and David Webb had signed about six players, six seven players, all on deadline day. But we were we were all all under twenty one, and. Um, the team got beat by Maidstone and we was playing away to Burnley on the Tuesday night and he just wielded the axe. He chopped all the big players, all, all the older players and and put 
and put us young boys in. Um, I was 19. Uh, I remember Paul Smith was 17. Um, and the answer was like 2021. 20, it was... Um, we went to Burnley. Burnley were a big team then in the, in the old fourth division. Um, 12,000 fans there was there on that day. It was like quite... Uh, um, quite for me as a young lad making my league debut like that we were down to 10 men after, within the first 15 minutes and we drew nil-nil and um, from there the team just kicked on and then at the end of the season uh, Dave Webb decided to he, he released the majority of the older players to be fair quite a few he let go and um Batty Young players brought in and Brett Angel, Chrissy Powell and these boys and we just had, we had an unbelievable bond. And I, I think that it's something that I always, to, to be able to create that type of spirit at a football club, um, again, would be, would be marvellous. be very, very difficult because the game's changed so much. But we had a, we had a camaraderie um, like I've never seen in a dressing room before. There was no, there was no egos, um, but we um, we scrapped and we fought for for everything. And um, the next year, so we went into League One. Obviously, went up went up into League One as it is, but Division Three then. And everyone was tipping us to go down and we went the first 12 games unbeaten of the season. We were top of the league and we were winning it easy. Um, and again, we had um, we had a great season again. I mean, we was up with three games to go. We played away to Bury, uh, third, third last game of the season, one away to Bury, 1-0. And that was it. And then the following year, really, again, everyone was tipped was tipping us sort of we're in the championship everyone was tipping us to go down again same group of players one or two signings but nothing nothing much but didn't it never disrupted the the dressing room I remember we signed Keith Jones from Brentford and um, again we just we absolutely flew we were flying until Christmas and then there was a falling out between David Webb and the owner or the chairman at the time Vic Jobson um, David wanted to we were his boys I mean and we were earning we were earning buttons in, today, in, the, in talking about today's game we were we were earning buttons and he, and he wanted this looks after and the chairman wasn't prepared to do it so David Webb took his chances because he'd got successive promotions on his CV as well just went right okay I'm off end of the season I'm, I'm gone I've got to go to the end of their season. And from that moment, really, it, it, the, I'm not going to say the wheels come off, but it, I think we just we took our eye off the ball a little bit. A lot of us were, up, a lot of us were out of contract in the summer. And I just think that it, it just we just took our eye off the ball a little bit. Not, I'm not saying intentionally, and we didn't because we, we were too good a group of lads, you know. But it was. Um, it's a very, very special time. Interestingly, Dean, at the time, you know, during that season, I think you <coughs> turned down a move to Derby. And at the end of that season, yeah. Spurs came in for you. And you were actually a Spurs supporter, I want to as a kid. So when did you first yeah. go to White Hart Lane? And who were your Spurs heroes back then in that era? Uh, 
Whoa, first game White Hart Lane. Um, it was, I believe, you have to remind me of the year, actually White Hart Lane. It was, I think it was the game when Glenn Oddle left Peter Rucker on his backside when he when he danced through the whole team type thing and went through and done the step over and left Peter Rucker. I think it was Peter Hucker on the floor and he just rolled it in the net. I think that's Oxford in, what, 87 season, wasn't it? When well, Glenn did. If I, I would have thought yeah. when I went earlier than that, I think I was about 13. So I don't know what game it was, but my dad's friend had two season tickets in the East End on the front row above the shelf. And... Um, my idols, to be fair, was was Ozzy Ardiles and Glenn Oddle. A lot of people, they dream of playing for the club they support. Tell us, how did that actual move come about at the time? And what was that feeling like signing for Spurs, for you being a, a fan of, of your boyhood club? Well, I had a lot of interest in that year. To be fair, David Webb was like a father figure to me and was very good to me. Um... And in that year, I, I in that time, I actually had Blackburn and Derby who were trying to sign me. Derby put the hard cash down. Chairman was desperate for money, called me in just before the deadline and said to me, um, look, we've had this offer for you. I think this would be a good move for you. I think you should go. And I sort of said, right, OK, well, I need to, um, I need to have a think about it. So I, of course, went home. I spoke to my dad about it. Um, but then the following day, I, I waited for David Webb before training and said, boss, can I have a, a minute, please? And I went in and spoke to him and sort of said to him, look, this is what the chairman's put forward. Actually had a clause in my contract. I was, I was, I could have made some substantial money out of that deal if I'd gone at the time. The money, he, he basically said to me, it depends what you want to do, son. He said, if you want to play in the championship, then, yeah, go Derby. If you back yourself, and I think you should back yourself, I think you can play, I think you could be a Premier League player next year. So I was like, oh, I was like, really, I was kind of like, you know, I was very quiet, very shy lad at that time. Um, very humble, just, just wanted to play football. I wasn't, um, I wasn't motivated by money. It was really coming up to the point. I, I had no, I had no time, and it was about. I had to make a decision. I had to make a decision quick because of the deadline, and I just wasn't. In the end, I just said to the chairman, "I said I'm just not prepared to make this decision. Um, that's going to affect me for the next four years of my life. I'm not prepared to make that decision inside 24 hours. Um, I, I want to see the, this through." We were still about seventh at the time. It was an outside chance we could still get in the playoffs and what have you. So I just said, no, I'm going to I'm gonna stick here. I'm going to see it through. And then come what may in the summer. When you signed for Tottenham, Peter Shreve had just been sacked. So the managerial team was officially Terry Vettel Livermore. But, but who was it you sat down and talked about the club with? Terry was the one. Terry's been a major influence on my career, both as a player and as a coach. But he was the one who I sat down with. Um, con- contacted me t- right towards the end of the season and sort of said he'd like the opportunity to have a sit down with me. Um, I never had an agent, although I was getting pestered by agents um, at that time. I went with my dad. 
I sat down with with Terry and Terry told me about what he was looking to do and what he was looking to do with the team, how he was looking to build the team over the next two, two three years. Thought that I could be an integral part of that. Spoke about my game. Spoke about where he felt that I could uh, could make some improvements. Um, he asked me. He asked me what. Uh, um, he asked me what kind of packages I'd been offered. Um, I told him honestly what I'd been offered, which he said to me, "Well, I, I'm, I, I won't be able to get anywhere near that, son. Um, but this is what I can. This is what I can give you." I probably signed for half the money that I was offered from other clubs. And you followed the same route from South End as, as Justin Edinburgh. Did that make your your entry to Tottenham easier? Did, was was Justin quickly a teammate? You know the your type of thing. And, and what was Justin like as a person? Yeah, he was a good lad. Very loud, um, funny. Um, I met Justin a few times. He he used to come back to South End and watch games when we was playing on a Tuesday evening or whatever. Did you ever so, play the same team at South End? Yeah, we did. We played the last yeah. six games on the in, on the first promotion. Right. Justin re- returned to Southend from his um, from his loan at Spurs. So Spurs give give him back to uh, Southend to help Southend try and get promoted. So yeah, we played in the last six games together, but it was already agreed that obviously he was going to Spurs. But you could tell, I mean, you could tell he was a good player. He was, he, he was a really good lad, um, confident, you know, good fun to be around, laugh a minute. And um, so I think it was easier for me to actually go and, and step in that dressing room and know someone rather than not know anyone, you know. Dean, hearts away, 2-1 win in a friendly. That was your first ever appearance for, a, for the club, coming on as a sub. What was that feeling like to wear that shirt for the first time as a Spurs player when you have then made your full debut for the club? I was really, really nervous. To be honest with you, um, the great Ray, Ray Clements pulled me in the end and had a word with me. I wasn't, I, I mean, don't get me wrong, I worked my socks off in pre-season, but I was a bit nervous. Young young boy, come from South End United, you've come to this massive club. When I walked through the gates on the first day, Bill Nick was there to greet me. Things were just done properly. It was just, it, they were just nice touches, you know what I mean? So, remember having a good chat with Bill Nick and Bill Nick told me, Sort of said to me about how many times he'd been to, he'd been sent by Terry to watch me play by Terry and Ted Buxton and you know he really liked me and sort of read, gave good reports on me and told me to enjoy it and what a great club it was and just you know just uh, I think walking into the club and I, I had done a little bit of a um, a little bit of a physical medical on the side of the pitch. And um, just walking out and walking out into the stadium, it's like, oh, you know, I remember I should sit up there. <laughs> um, so quite, quite a surreal, quite a surreal moment that I think pre-season, I found it very difficult. I found uh, it was very much a, uh, do I belong here? And um, I didn't have a great pre-season. I worked very hard physically, but I didn't have a great pre-season in terms of the games. And um, I didn't obviously never started the season. 
Um, I was on the bench the first game. But about two weeks before the season started, they um, they sent me to play in a reserve game at Charlton. And uh, Ray Clements pulled me the day before and said, look, we've got a game here, but, you know, we want you to, to go and get full, full 90 and go and play in this game. But I want to say something to you. And I said, right. He says, you're here on merit, young man. So stop feeling nervous and, and, and about the situation. Look, OK, it's, it's a bit daunting. It's a bigger club and this, that and the other. But it's still football, Dino. Trust yourself. The club have invested the money in you because they believe in you. And you've got to start showing that you are the player that we know you are. And I think those words really just settled me down, really. And then I had a real good couple of weeks. And then, obviously, I was on, I was on the bench for the first game. And then I, I weren't on the bench for the second game. So I played again in the reserve game. And then I come, I was on the bench again uh, for the Crystal Palace game. And I come on and made the second goal. And I think that really settled me down then. And uh, oh, not that I was never... I never in any, any point in my Spurs career felt, oh, I've got it made here, I, I'm, I'm, I'm settled and I, I've, I've got it. Every day was pressure for me. I had to be at my very best. I was on the seat of my pants every day playing with these players, how I felt. And it was the only way. And because, and I think that, Obviously, when you get an opportunity to play for the club that you've supported as a kid, I think that then it, it just, that anything that you do achieve just tastes that much sweeter, I, I suppose. Can you remember he played that day, Dean? In what game? In the Crystal Palace uh, game? Yep. Eric? Yep. Terry Fennick? Yep. Uh, Jason Cundy, Razor? Justin, oh, I believe. Cundy didn't play. Sorry? Candy didn't play against Well, that's been maps in. I tell you the team, Tallsfoot, Fennick, Edinburgh, yeah. Edgley, David Tuttle, Bill oh. Ruff, John Hendry, Gordon Jury, Vinnie Samways, Darren Anderson and Paul Allen. And you came on along with Phil Gray. I think I'd have got probably eight of those. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, interestingly, Dean, we'd lost Inaka and Paul Stewart that summer, which left Gordon Drury as our only real striker at the club. How obvious was it for you that we needed another body? And just how quickly did Teddy settle? And what difference did it make bringing in Teddy to that dressing room and how he fitted into the club? Obviously, there was a lot of um, there was a lot of talk going on at, the, at that time that Terry, like that Ted, Ted, Ted was going to be coming. I was haggling over the bits of money, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, Razor knew him well. Obviously, playing with him at, Mill, uh, at Millwall, said he was a great lad. And to be fair, he was. He, he's he was um, he, he's a great character, Ted. And obviously, he he, he showed himself to be um, a top top striker as well. Was Teddy the best player you played with at Tottenham? Teddy, yeah, no. no. So who was Jurgen? Jurgen was there. I surprise you. Best footballer, yeah. Yeah, Darren Anderson. Really? That is interesting. Vinny was an unbelievable footballer. An unbelievable footballer. I just can't, I cannot tell you how good a footballer he was. And 
everything used to be said that, you know, Spurs didn't like homegrown players, etc., etc. Vinny took a, quite a lot of stick um, at certain times. But I've never played with a footballer who would be available to receive the ball in any situation on the pitch and still keep coming for it. No matter how bad he was playing, no matter how bad a game he was having, I'm, I'm fortunate. I'm, I feel blessed to have graced White Hart Lane with some of the players that I have graced with. But you've asked me who the best footballer was, and I'm telling you who's the best footballer. That season, we had a tough start. We only won seven of our opening 25 games. Yeah. But once you got in the side, you kept your place. But why do you think that season at the start was such a struggle? And and in the in the dynamic between Terry and Doug, who was controlling the training and picking the team and doing the tactics and things? It was a a new team, a young team. Obviously, in the summer, Gaza had left, Lineker had left, Stewart had left, and Terry had decided to be bold and went with. Young players, some young players. I mean, I was 22. I think Shaggy was 20, 21. Ted would have been about 24, 25. Razor would have been about 24. Um, so it was new. It was got. It was something new. It was a new team, and and you know there was plenty to be worked on, but the potential was there. You know, Darren didn't have a a, a great a great first first three, four months, but, you know, was playing with a hernia. And, um, you know, I think it was just a bed, it was a bedding in period for people. Um, but you could, you could feel the potential and you, you could feel the potential in training and you could feel the camaraderie and the team spirit growing also on a daily basis. Um, Regards to, um, I think that on a day-to-day basis, Dougie and um, Dougie and Clem were sort of in charge of the group. But you know, you always felt that that Terry was the boss. There was only one boss there. Do you know what I mean? It, 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 he was calling the shots for me. Don't mean that in a horrible way. But you know, tactically and training-wise, he, he was he was unbelievable. You know. Dean, an upturn of sorts at the end of that season, which began at Palace and then saw us beat Southampton with a goal rush. Four goals in four minutes and 48 seconds. That's not quite what you would expect to see in professional football. And it must be quite surreal being on the pitch when those flurry of goals are going in. What was that like for you? We had some games. I think we got to a stage in, I don't know what our record was in the second half of the season, but I think once we beat beat Norwich away in the FA Cup, I think that the team, and then obviously young Mickey Barbie's come into the team as well. There just seemed that there was a, I'm not going to say invincibility, but it, there, there was a confidence. The team had a confidence in each other that we felt that we could beat anybody. So even when we was in bad periods of games, we knew that we had the players, we had the firepower that we that, that if we stepped if we found our groove, we we felt that we could blow any team away. And we actually won nine of the remaining seventeen games that season. 
But yeah. but we're still times when we could be all over the place. We famously lost six nil at Sheffield United and six two at Anfield. So as you say, there was there was still that bit of inconsistency there, wasn't there? Well, I think that the Sheffield United game was the game before the FA Cup semi final. I think that we um, our eye definitely was already on the weekend. Such was the magnitude of the game because we were playing against the other lot down the road. Um, and the Liverpool game was the last game of the season. I weren't playing in that, Jay, even mate, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. No, I did note that when I was doing the research. I thought oh, Dino didn't play that day. but. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dean, we had a good cut run that season, including the famous 4-2 away win at Man City, a dramatic game with pitch invasions and quite a superb performance by Naeem, and a wonderful goal against us by Terry Phelan. Is it true Terry was actually advised to miss a penalty in that game? Flipping out. I've never heard that, Rick. And I'll tell you what, I'd have smacked him on if, if I thought he was doing that. And I know that he wouldn't do it anyway. But uh, um, I, I don't know that. Was that because of the crowd trouble and all that? I think so. I think that was a suggestion that a referee was, you know, so close to the end of the game. He thought it'd be better if Tottenham missed the penalty. As you know, there was a few pitch invasions that day. Well, obviously, mate, I, I can't swear it, but I'll be telling the referee to do one. <laughs> Just so you know, Dean, you can say what you want on here. Don't worry about it. <laughs> that is fascinating. That is fascinating. Now, of course, we lost that awful semi-final to to that lot from down the road or south of the river, wherever you want to put them. But, of course, we did win at Highbury in the final league game of that season for us, which actually, until yeah. 2010, was their last win there. And, of course, it was an unlikely goal-scoring hero that night. John Hendry? Yeah. Yeah. He got two, didn't he? Yeah, he was another one that he 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 was a great lad, you know what I mean. But it was it was tough time. He was competing with some he was competing with some um, some top players at that time, you know. Mm. But I remember because um, Jukebox was was injured because he had his he had an operation on his groin, I think. And I think Barnes had just had his shin splints done, so that got. John Andrews' opportunity at the end of that season. Yeah. Yeah. And we finished eighth that year. But, you know, for, for modern day football fans, Aston Villa were second, Norwich were third, Blackburn were fourth, QPR were fifth, Sheffield Wednesday were seventh. And yeah. We beat Norwich game. three times that year. That's right. Yeah. 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 Different game now. Different game Absolutely. now. Absolutely. Absolutely. And did also support wasn't great at that stage either for our 21 home league games. We had less than 30,000 for 12 of them. How difficult and different to what you'd expected was that to play in front of quite an apathetic crowd at the time for you? Never really affected me, to be honest with you. I felt that, you know, um, as time went on, I thought that the, like, the crowds were always quite big and what have you, you know. I think for me, I think the first year was... My first year was a little bit of a blur. Dean, you mentioned this man already, one of your favourites. Ozzy took over that summer as fans hoped for a return to the glamorous football. But that season, after a decent start, soon turned for the worst, both for the team and sadly for you. Tell us about that and how that was for you to play under one of your heroes in Ozzy Ardilis. Obviously, it was a difficult time. Difficult time for the club because there was obviously a, uh, a court case 
regards to uh, Sir Alan and and Terry going on, and obviously Terry left in acrimonious circumstances. I think that it was a big, big. I think it was a big thing for the boys. It was very. It was the boys were really gutted. The boys were really. I can't. You know, we felt that we was on the cusp of something special, and we was hearing about a few of the players that we potentially might be signing and what have you. And we really thought that we really felt that this was going to take us to to the next level, really, because we had finished the season strong and what have you. So. I think that that was that was a disappointment, and then obviously, um, but that's going on in the summer, and then obviously a couple of weeks before we were due to come back, Aussie's appointed. So, you know, Aussie's Aussie had had two successful periods: one at Newcastle, one at Swindon. Uh, West Brom obviously had done well there, and his teams played very good football. They were very offensive. So, you know, I think that uh, for me, it's it's a bit. Uh, again, it's a bit awe-inspiring for me. I think the first time I met Aussie because it was like, "Crikey, I, I, I'm I'm meeting Aussie Ardiles." Not 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 only was I meeting Aussie Ardiles, but I was coming into work with him every day. So it was um, again, it was a little bit, uh, bit overwhelming, probably to start off with. You know, I, I was pretty humble. I just wanted to play and wanted to improve and. You know, again, I, I could have left in that summer. Um, but, you know, Spurs my club and, and I wanted I wanted to play for my club as long as I possibly could. We had a really good start. We was in the top three, I think, in the in them first sort of 10 games. We had a really, really good, really good start. I remember that we won a lot of games. And... Um, yeah, we was playing at home to Oldham and um, I was having a bit, a bit of a war, war of words with uh, with Mark Brennan, who was playing for Oldham. And we were winning the game easy. I mean, we were winning 4-1 four, four at the time. Anyway, I'd got it in my head that I wanted to whack him one. And um, <laughs> as, 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 a ball, as a ball came into him and I've tried to meet at the same time as the ball arrived to him, he's flicked the ball round the corner. And as I've got the turn, my studs have got stuck in the ground and I've kicked him up in the air, but his old weight's come down on top of me, on top of my leg. And I started to crack straight away. I knew immediately that I'd done something uh, quite bad. As the season developed and, and we got embroiled at the wrong end of the table, we end up that season on the penultimate day going to Oldham for an absolutely massive relegation clash and if if people think we've had big games since I tell you that was the biggest Premier League game for me that we've had at that time and um, if we lose that game we're into the bottom three going into the last day but fortunately we win at Oldham but what's your memories of the build up to that match and the pressure and the tension that was around the club I don't know exactly but I know that when I come back into the team um, in February time I I sat on the bench for about 12, 13 games straight, I think. Um, Aussie obviously signed David Kerslake. Uh, Dave Kerslake was a was a player that he'd had before at Swindon who he really liked. So I knew it was um, I knew it was going to potentially be quite difficult for me. I got back in the team, but by the time I got back in the team, we were we were floundering down the wrong end. That was for sure. Um, 
remember being in the team, playing a bit, and then not being in the team for a bit. And then we get towards the end of the season, and I get back in the team. And I remember we played old. I think that game was on a Thursday night, Jason. I think, and um, we were playing Thursday Saturday. That's right. The so last two games, and um, I remember us being up at Oldham, and there was uh, there was an incredible amount of tension in the uh, around the hotel, around the dressing room before, but but a determination still, and uh, obviously the pitch was absolutely shocking, and. Um, but we we played quite well on the night and, and we fully deserved it. Obviously, we didn't tuck the second one away until quite late. But but it was a it was a um, it was a result that was that was well deserved. And obviously, that meant that we was going to uh, stay in the Premier League. It was one of your your favourite players that scored as well, wasn't it? Vinny got the the first that night, and then David House yeah. put it. The bed, but I think that's the night that we sent Oldham down rather than us, the two teams, you know, changing positions in the table. A remarkable summer follows, and if if people now think we have it dramatic during transfer windows, this this was a summer from hell that starts on the 12th of May when the FA charged Spurs with misconduct for irregular payments several years earlier. The FA even announced at the time that should Spurs be demoted from the Premier League. The other teams, I think, I forget who the other team was going to come up. Then on the 15th of June, when Spurs were found guilty, the FA punishment was a 12 points deduction and we were thrown out of the FA Cup. Can you remember your reaction at the time and, and just the general mood of the players thinking the next season for us is just a hell of a nightmare? Bearing in mind, we've only just avoided relegation anyway. Yeah, I think that, you know, you see it. You see it unravel in the uh, in the summer, but I think we went back in uh, went back pre-season, and if or if if I remember right, I think Sir Alan come to the training ground and just sort of said, "Listen, I'm not going to let this go lying down. I'm 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 fight I'm fighting this all the way because this is wrong. So you just concentrate on your job." And I'll concentrate on this part, and I'll get this, and I'll get this sorted. So I just think that players then just went right. Okay, so we've got to get about our business, and let's get the work. We've got to get fit. We've got to get ready. We've got a big season, and uh, we've got to be ready to go. And you're right. The, the club actually appealed at that stage, and, and upon appeal, just before the start of the season, the the, the, the points deduction was reduced to six, but. At that stage, the FA Cup then was, was still in place and we were definitely weren't going to be in the FA Cup. So, like I say, for, for people to get stressed over a transfer window, that's what a stressful summer that is. Yeah, absolutely. I th- you know, as players, you have a job to do. So you know what you've got to do. You've got to get, get on with it. I think it's worse for the supporters, to be honest with you. The mood of the summer, Dean, changed for a few weeks later when we signed Romanian World Cup star like Dimitrescu. And then two days later, the announcement of Klinsman, that must have given the belief the deduction could still see relegation avoided. And the early wins even really reinforced that, didn't they, for you? Obviously, to have um, someone like Jürgen Klinsman come in the uh, dressing room 
And, uh, you know, what a guy he was, you know, incredibly humble, very, very modest, just a normal fella, um, not, not affected by the razzmatazz that was going on around him. I remember, we, I think we played a pre-season friendly on his first game, it was away at Watford. And um, the crowds and that that were were there to greet us when we got there. And it was it was a lot of optimism. There was a lot of optimism once the, the players started coming in and Illy, Illy came in and, you know, you know, Illy would be up there as, you know, Jason, when I talk about footballers, you know, I said about Vinny, but Vinny as a footballer, but all round his attitude, his work rate, this guy Dimitrescu was every bit was every bit as good as Vinny, but he didn't he didn't have the work rate. You know, he was a special talent, and I know that as Spurs fans we love our special talents, but you've got to have a little bit more than talent. You know, if you're going to um, you've got to be a little bit proactive when the team hasn't got the ball. And Dean also, Gika Popescu then joined in early September. Were those players pre-internet days aware of the point deduction when they signed it? If not, how soon did the players mention it when they arrived at the club? <clears throat> no, I don't think so. I mean, to be fair, you wouldn't, you, you wouldn't get a word out of Illy or, or uh, Chica. Neither of them could speak the word of English when they come in. So it was, uh, you know, it was uh, Jürgen spoke perfect English. But, you know, that, those players obviously come, you know... The Premier League's the biggest was the biggest club in the world was the biggest uh, uh, league in the world, and you know Tottenham was still one of the still seen as one of the big six in 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 the in the Premier League, you know. So you know, with no disrespect to the likes of Norwiches and what have you that had finished higher the year before or whatever, you know, come on, Spurs is a is a bit bigger club than that. Mm. Jurgen Jurgen hit the ground running, twelve goals in his first fourteen games. But but Ozzy's reign soon unravelled, and we lost five two at Manchester City, and were then humiliated three 0 in the League Cup at Notts County. Ozzy sacked, and we won just two of our opening twelve games that he came in, who'd done a, a really good job at, at QPR. What did you make of his appointment at the time, and what differences did did Jerry make? Because he certainly did away with Ozzy's two three five formation. That's for sure. I probably have to speak that, or to add that, I never played. I never played in the beginning of that season. A really good pre-season, to be honest with you. And um, I think Justin was struggling with with a knee. I think I think he had a knee operation, and um, played every game pre-season. I was playing right back. He played Dave Kerr's like left back. Justin came back into the uh, training group the week leading up to the first game at Sheffield Wednesday, and then two days before the um, two days before the season started, Ozzy called me in to tell me that I wasn't going to be playing and that I wasn't going to be um, and that I wasn't going to be in the squad the weekend, which uh, I didn't take too well to be honest with you. <laughs> Following on from that, this season picked up. We won seven of our following ten league games. Alan Sugar won our appeal. And it was decided there would be no points deductions and our FA Cup place would be reinstated. And the season must have finally felt like it was about to take off. You know, obviously, we'd had our struggles. We'd had our struggles uh, under Aussie. And, 
obviously um, Sir Alan decided that he needed to make a change and that change was going to be Jerry. Um, we knew one or two of the lads from, 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 from QPR had said that he was a very good coach and, um, you know, one of the first things that he'd do is look to make us a little bit more solid at the back. And um, that was exactly exactly uh, what he did do. To be, to be fair, I was fortunate. Um, I got back in the team immediately. Um, I think we lost. I didn't play the first game, uh, but he did speak to me about that. We lost to uh, Aston Villa four three. But then the following day, the following Wednesday, I think we was playing Chelsea at home. We drew nil nil. I think from there, I think we had six six successive clean sheets, I think, off the back of that. And um, we started winning some football matches. So, of course, when you start winning football matches, the morale the morale grows again and, and people become happier around the place, you know. As that season wear on, the, the new manager bounce disappears in the league, at least. But a fantastic cup run, having been allowed back into the cup starts. You played in a, in a memorable game down at Southampton. Ronnie's game, <laughs> just what a turnaround that was, and it was you all as surprised as us fans. Just there, Ronnie came on and completely turned that game. To be fair, Ron Ron was one of those players. I don't, I don't want to be uh, disrespectful to, towards Ron, but Ron could Ron on his day was a well beater. He was a well beater. He, he could come, he could do anything on a, on a day. On another day, like he could be an egg beater. <laughs> <laughs> but he was um, Ron was a Ron was a good player and it wasn't so surprising to be fair I mean to be fair after 25 minutes we were down and out we were really 2-0 they started really quick we never got out of the blocks I remember getting absolutely hammered at half time by, by Jerry because I gave away a penalty um, but to be fair that that never bothered me to be fair that I needed a bit, a bit of that from time to time. I didn't mind that getting a bit off the manager, you know, maybe liven the game up a little bit, you know. But um, we we grew back into the game and we gradually got back in it, and then we got one. And once we got one, really, we all I think that we were we we were confident enough to feel that we would go on then and 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 progress in the competition. Obviously, although it was by by uh, extra time in the end. Yeah, it wasn't just a hat-trick. It was just the quality of the goals that night. I think all three make it onto that. Oh, just sensational. Goal of the, goal of the month. Yeah, they're just absolute sensational strikes, all of them. Yeah. All in different ways. And, you know, the first one, I think, is at the near post to take it like on the half, vol- half volley to hook it back round. You know, the second one, when he's running down the left hand on an inside left channel and striking it and it going away from the goalkeeper the other way. And then the final one, obviously, is when he cut inside and before you, the goalkeeper could even get a sniff, it was in the back of the net and coming back out. Yeah, fantastic. And then we go on to a quarter-final at Anfield where we, we come from behind to win and it's not often we win at Anfield. Teddy and Jürgen with a double. As an individual match in your time at Spurs, was that, was that the biggest, the best win? And then was the, the lowest point the semi-final that immediately followed. I get asked this a little bit. People ask me if there was, if I had a choice of three days that I could relive in my career, what would they be? The day at Liverpool would probably be, well, it would be in the top two. 100% it'd be in the top two. 
Um, What's the other two now, Dean? You can't leave us hanging. What were the other two out of interest? I think for me, in 97, playing away to Man United in the FA Cup, I had been riddled with injuries. Absolute. You know, to be fair, my, my, my career was... From the age of 24, really was decimated with injuries. People don't understand uh, the, quite how bad my injuries were, but I managed to get back. And in '97, we played in the FA Cup with a decimated team at Old Trafford. I felt it, it was such a big day for me because I'd been out of the team for a long time because of the injuries. To actually come back in such an occasion, we lost the game, but I played played okay and just feeling alive again because I had the I had the shirt on and was playing in an arena like Old Trafford. I would have said the semi final that we lost to Arsenal, but from a point of view that it was the first time that I played at Wembley and um, it was the biggest game of my life. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. Um, but after beating Liverpool, I think the big, the biggest, the biggest. This I've had a lot. Like, we all have a lot of disappointments in our careers and our lives and what have you, and whatever paths we go down. That is uh, the semi-final away to Everton, probably the biggest disappointment of my life. Um, it was. Um, it, it, it was really, really hard to shut. I mean, we played on the Tuesday night after. I think, I think we played Man City at home. We won one nil, but we really needed it. We needed the game because we knew that we'd let ourselves down badly on the Sunday in the in the semi final v Everton. We just, we just every anything and everything that could go wrong kind of went wrong. Do you know what I mean? In the build up, we lost three left backs in the build up to the game and. You know, Justin got injured, Sol got injured, then David Kerslake got injured. We just lost, we lost three left backs, and it was just so many things that, you know, I remember poor Stewie Stewie Nevercott played left back that day, and you know, out of position and and playing against someone like Limpar. And after the game, I was kind of thinking, should I have gone to Jerry? Because I played there under Aussie a couple of times. Should I have gone to Jerry? And and, and sacrificed myself for the team because like, I might have been able to help a bit more and Stewie might have been a bit more relaxed on the right-hand side playing right-back. All, all these things, all these emotions, because, you know, I'm always, I've am always been one of them type of people that I, I'll always sacrifice myself for their team. The team's far more, far more important than me or any individual. But I just feel that the... Um, the anti-climax, the build-up, we were talked up that we, our name was on the cut because we had not been in at the start of it and Sir Alan had got us back in, et cetera, et cetera. But I, it's probably the biggest the biggest disappointment of my um, of my career, without a doubt. Yeah, we've, we've had Darren Anderson on and we had David Howes the other day and the, both of those two say that the, the lowest day they've had things. That horrible, wasn't it? You go to Ella Road and... Whilst it's a 50-50 split in the crowd, we feel like they're the away team because three sides of the ground is full of Everton fans. And we got that, that huge terrace that is miles from the pitch and it just just yeah. that sum the day up, didn't it? Yeah, it did. I think it was um, it was actually 
Not that you overthink it, but when you come out in the warm-up and you think, hold on a minute, why have we only got one side here and they've got three? You know, <laughs> it, it, it is a little bit uh, um, one of those situations. I mean, to be fair, the game shouldn't have been at Ellen Road anyway. Supposed to be a neutral ground, should have been at Villa Park, really, just shouldn't yep. it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, just, it, you know, it was just one of them days. I remember Darren was Darren was struggling with a, with a bad injury. Um, leading up a ligament injury in his knee and probably sh- shouldn't have played. He was strapped up from ankle to his groin. And, you know, it's just one of that. It was one of those things. But I've got to say, I never spoke to anyone for two days. You know, no. I, never, you know I was, to be fair, it was a result. I was getting the divorce anyway, so I didn't have to speak to the wife. So that was, <laughs> that was one good thing. But, but um, oh, I, I, uh, I remember not, I remember not speaking. I remember not speaking to my parents for a couple of days. They were ringing me and see if I was all right, etc., etc. I just, uh, you know, just so so disappointed. Yeah, yeah. Dean, that summer we of course lost both Jurgen and strangely Nick Barnby as well. But looking back, if you could pick one striker, who would you pick for you, Teddy or Jurgen? For, well, they're different type of strikers. And I know. I, and I, and, I'm, being, I think, I'm being really cheeky, Dean, asking you no, just no, one. But, but <laughs> all I will say that it shows how great both of them were because you could put them with different partners and they would still be as great with another partner. Uh, you know, for me... I'm gonna, I'm gonna say Ted. His all-round game, his all-round game. You know, Ted, Ted was an out-and-out tar- target man when he first came to the club. Out-and-out target man, goal scorer, and Nicky Barnby, for example. So he played with Jukebox, who was like pace and power, and then he played with Nicky Barnby, who was like a number ten floating player. When Jurgen came. Teddy had to reverse his role. Teddy became the number 10 and Jürgen became the, the, the striking partner. Yeah. You know, Ted, Ted was, you know, you know, for someone who had no pace whatsoever, and I used to take the piss out of him all the time about how slow he was, he, his ability... To, to read the game, to see passes, to be able to play passes. He could, you, if you go through his montage of goals, you'll see all types of goals in there. Yep. But none, none where he's trying to lever, lever the arse off the ball. Everything was guided. Left foot, right foot, header, chips. I mean, you know, I've got a, I've got a thing that's saved on the top of my on the top of my Twitter account from probably one of the greatest goals that I, I saw Ted score, which was and it was it was us celebrating away at Coventry when when Ted scored the the half volley chip. Yeah, people remember Glenn's chip at Watford, but Teddy's and Glenn's chip at Watford is right up there. But Teddy's one that's a wonderful finish, isn't it? At Coventry. Yeah, and it's so. You know, it, it, Ted, Ted developed, you know, he developed his game 
he develops his game in so many in so many different ways, you know, and his his finishing was sublime. You know, what I say about Jurgen, if Jurgen got a sniff of the goal, you would turn to turn around and walk back the halfway line because you he weren't missing. The following season was was really up and down. We'd no wins in the first four. Then we win four straight games. Then go three without a win. Then we win three in a row. But as the season wore on, we our form kind of tailed off. Despite Teddy and Chris Armstrong who'd come in to replace you and form a decent partnership. But the standout game that season, of course, was New Year's Day and the, the thrashing of of Fergie's Man United. When we well, that's another one. day. That's another day if I could relive. Probably that would be there as well. Astonishing win that was, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I mean, I remember that year. I mean, I, I, to be honest, I was really, really struggling at this point. I'd had, I think I'd had two or three knee operations in very, very quick succession, and um, it was at a time where we we had we had so many injuries um, at the club. It was. Um, it was quite frightening, really. That was like today, mate. <laughs> well, if I if I remember, if I remember right, on that day, our team. I'm going to reckon. I'm going to try and name our team. Have you got it there, Jase? Right. Yeah, and no, I've got it. Right. I've got so it'll be yeah. walks. It'll be walks in goal. Walks is in goal. Yep. Me right back. That's right. Colin Calderwood. Colin Calderwood played, yep. Stewie Nethercott. Did Nethercott play? Yes, he did. Justin. Justin played, yep. Right, and then then I've got it. Ronnie Rosenthal. Ronnie Rosenthal played, yep. Joel Campbell, Darren Caskey. Uh, we don't mention one of those, mate. No, all right, okay. But Darren <laughs> Caskey's, yep. Darren Caskey's in the side. Illy Dumitrescu. That's right. Teddy and Chris Arsenal. That's right. And who brilliant. came on as a sub? That's huh? brilliant. Fantastic. Who came on as a sub? Yep. Come on, Jase, you're killing the man. Position? McMahon came on. Oh, as a Gerard sub. McMahon. Gerard McMahon, that's it. He came <laughs> on as a sub. Yeah, so a memorable game. Yep, that's for sure. Well done on that. That shows you how good the memory is. Yeah, the uh, Alzheimer's ain't quite kept in yet, mate, but it is getting there. <laughs> it's incredible going that far back. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. You missed the last few games of that season with, with another knee injury, which which then just developed over the summer, didn't it, into a, a tale of, of several operations. Yeah, I had about um, I had six operations, I think, in about 15 months. Three on the left knee and then three on the right knee. What, what was that, ligaments or... Presumably... No, I, 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 um, before um, the FA Cup season, the 95 season, we were playing away to Newcastle right at the end of the season. Week before the end of the season, that'd be about right? I think Newcastle was the last game of the season, that's right. 3-3? Three, three? We, had, uh, no, we had Leeds, Leeds away and Newcastle away it was a 1-1, Jason Dezel scoring. Right, well, one in the year that I'd done my knee, we, we, we drew 3-3 with Newcastle away on a Wednesday evening. The day before the game, I was 
just doing some extra work after training like I always did. And I felt this crack in my knee. I went to chip a ball down the line um, with my left foot and I, I felt I've, I heard this crack and thought, woof. Didn't, didn't really think anything of it. Come in, spoke to the physio, I said, oh, turn this out off. Felt something with my knee, blah, blah. There's no swelling there. Anyway, put, put some ice in it. Woke up the foot, gave me some anti-inflammatories. The following day I got up and I thought, mm, don't quite feel right this, but bollocks, I'm playing. I, I'm not going to not play. I, I want to play and I'm going to play. So again, took anti-inflammatories and this, that and the other. Played the game. Within half an hour of the game, I thought, I'm in trouble here. I'm in massive trouble. I, I'm not sure I'm going to get through this. Anyway, I did get through it. The following day, I couldn't walk, couldn't get out of bed. Well, could get out of bed, but I couldn't walk. I couldn't bend my knee. My knee was locked up. Drove into the, the ground. Um, obviously, well, okay, then we need to get you in for a scan. Got me in for a scan. Torn cartilage. So that was the first one. It was a torn cartilage, torn meniscus. The... Following season, come back, wasn't right, could still, my knee weren't right and rehab wasn't great. And I then um, felt it again. So again, got, got a scan, there's another tear. So I'll go back in again. Then the last time I've done it was at home to Wolves in the first, in the, in the FA Cup, we actually went away and won in the, in the replay. And um, a player ran into me, and it was a, a big lad, Neil Emblem. It was like running into a truck. Run straight into the side of my knee, and I was like, oh, my God. And the fluid was unbelievable. I played the rest of the game. The replay was on a Wednesday night. I probably shouldn't have played, but I took the anti-inflammatories and what have you. Never said anything. Carried on. Played the game. Won the game. Got another week down the line, I think it was, and I thought, no, I've got to see something about this knee. It's, it's, it just isn't right. So then got another scan. Yeah, there's another tear in the cartilage. <coughs> we was playing, it was the famous game at Knott's Forest in the FA Cup when we, we come out, uh, the game was cancelled after 15 minutes because of the snow. That's right, yep. I was having the operation the following day. So basically, I was playing that game and then going straight to the hospital to have the operation. Went and had the operation, played two weeks after, but wasn't right. I played two weeks after the operation on a, on a meniscus, which is ridiculous, really. But just, it was how keen I was to play and play for the team. Dean, you mentioned yeah. that those injuries there, I mean... Th- they lasted well into your fifth and as it turned out to be your final season, not starting a game until February. But you did keep your place in the side for the rest of that season until the final day. But that summer, you did move on to Crystal Palace. No, I didn't move. At the end of my contract, I did, I'd never moved. I was in I was in between. Well, at that point, I didn't move because what happened was that the following year, mm. I tore me right meniscus. Well, I severed my meniscus in three in a pre-season game in Norway. Blimey. And that was Jerry's last little bit. And then Christian Gross came in after that. But I severed my cartilage in three. Mm. I was out of contract. The club 
agreed to keep paying me because I've got injured playing for them. I come back at operation. It got messed up. I went back under the knife again four weeks after. I come back, started rehabbing again, and it still weren't right. And I then changed surgeons. And they discovered that my meniscus was severed in three. See, what I had done, I had Crazy. A, third, a third of the meniscus taken away. And the other two thirds of it was stapled back together with staples, believe it or not. Out of interest, when this is all going on, I mean, because we, we had Darren on a couple of weeks ago, is there any, was there any kind of criticalness from, from you to the club in terms of the medical staff there at the time, in terms of... Yeah, loads. Yeah, loads. I mean, because that, that seems to be the alarming thing we find from a lot of players we speak to during this era of injuries, um, the lack of clear clarity there was from, from the medical staff at that time. Yeah, to be fair, there was... Um, it's not... Listen... Was talking candidly now, wasn't it? You know, we're not, mm. I'm not talking. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not crying and no, of course I not. No, feel, or feel sorry for me. This, no, I'm no, proud no. of. Yeah, I'm proud of of my career and what have you. But yep. at the end of the day, I wouldn't probably be in the state that I'm in today mm. if I got the proper medical attention. I mean, I've got arthritis in both my knees. Um, mm. I need half a new knee on my left knee now. Like it's ready to be done now, but I won't have it done because mm. I feel that I'm too young. Yeah, but if if we had had the proper medical attention in that period, then, you know, there's an opportunity that we might not be having this conversation now. I might not be in the position that I am physically that I'm in now. Okay. You know, I'm a fit yeah. guy. I, I look after myself. I keep fit. I'm in the gym four or five times a week because I'm obsessed with being fit. Yeah. Same as I was when I was a player. I but mean... it's being fit and trying to stay fit and trying to be fit, you know. And yeah. <laughs> At the end of the day, you need to make sure that you're being looked after medically, and you would expect to. Of course. Uh, club. Of course. Two questions in one here, then, Dean, for you. When did you know your time at Spurs was up? And then, two, do you have any regrets having joined the club you supported? Those five years were pretty much a real struggle with a few top quality players, plenty of misfits like, you know, Jason Cundy, Jason DeSalle, etc. Any regrets? And, you know, when did you actually know your time at Spurs was ultimately up? End of the season in in '95. I knew I was. I knew I was done. I knew I was done. My knee was. My left knee was deteriorating badly, and I just could not physically do. And I was twenty five then. I should. I should have had at least another five, six years at my before, or at least another five, five years of prime playing time. Really, at the top level at the level that I felt that I should be playing at. But the legs had gone. And once you have a once you have injuries like that and all of a sudden you, you can feel that you've lost the yard of pace mm. that then becomes very, very difficult. One answer, one quick answer on this for you Dean, any regrets? But any regrets for not, you? None whatsoever. None whatsoever as in regards to what are you talking about? My time and how long I stayed at Spurs and what I did and playing with injuries, etc. Et yeah, etc. Over that, over that time, many regrets. That's good none. to hear. That's good no, to hear. I, put, mate, I put my body on the line every single time. Mm. Players don't now. No. I've got to be honest <laughs> with you. That, that they, they are... I want to choose my words carefully, but I don't think you can. I think to a certain extent, they all have little 
they'll all have little niggles and little things and this, that and the other. But I don't like this. There are players at Spurs that I know that have that have injuries and, and they are, they will go through the wall. But is, it, is it a case, I, Dean, I, of kind of different time, different generation? Do you, do you think that's what it is now, the way football's changed on that aspect of things? Uh, a little bit, but I think it comes from the personality. I, th- yeah. I think that if you, if you go through the Spurs boys now, if you're talking about the Spurs boys now, I think the ones that probably, that it means, and I don't mean this detrimentally, but I think that when you've been a supporter, when you've been a supporter of a club, I do think that the success takes a, tastes a bit sweeter. And I do think that they probably, uh, without speaking out of turn, but they, they when they players that are homegrown and they genuinely have come through the ranks and they've been fans, I think it means a bit more to those boys. You know, I, I, for example, Winks. Like Winks has had, Winks had a terrible injury. Uh, 18 months ago, two years ago, horrific ankle injury that he got at Burnley. You know, and, and, and it, you know, but he wants to put himself out there. Wants to play. He's got a problem with his ankle, but he's desperate to play. Kane's probably the same. You know, would play as much as he can. Like he's had, he's obviously been rushed back from his ankles and what have you before when he's done the ankle. Obviously, the injury he's got at the minute, he can't rush from it. You know, he's had a ruptured hamstring. Do you know what I mean? He, he can't rush back from that. But those joint injuries and what have you, them, them types of players, you know, they, they, should, be, they should be appreciated by our club mm. and by the fans because they genuinely, genuinely love the club. But that's my opinion. No, I quite agree, mate. I quite agree. I mean... We've, we've had the, the famous conversations many times where, where people say Danny Rose gets it. And I always think Harry Winks gets it. Nobody ever says it about him. And you get, he just gets constant, a bit like Vinnie's that way. Constant criticism now for passing it sideways and backwards and things. But, but you're right, Harry Winks is always available to receive the ball. No the thing what... is, is that the game, the game now has, has changed. You know, from, from the point of view now, you are... It's it's a it's a bit different, I think, now over under Jose. I think the team's a bit is a bit more pragmatic. It's obviously had a lot of injuries, so it's trying to trying to make sure that we don't give anything away, um, rather than being free flowing. But when that team's free free flowing, and I I was at Watford, and we played Spurs in October. And I was speaking to one or two of the, the boys after the game, one or two of the Spurs boys. This is just following on, Jason, from what you're saying about the criticism of Winks or whatever and that type of player or Sandways or whatever. When you're playing against the team that's playing in a low block with 10 men behind the ball, playing inside probably 40 metres across the pitch, 30 metres in the length of the pitch, that is very, very that that is not easy to break down teams like that. And the longer the game goes, where Spurs haven't scored, the harder it becomes. You know, the, 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 obviously the first thing you want to try and do, I think we all we'll all agree with this. We want to see Spurs come out the traps first 15, 20 minutes, high press, very very high intensity. You know. Using our quality, trying to get that early goal. Because if you get that early goal, 
teams then have to come out. Teams can't sit back. But the longer the game is nil-nil, or if it goes a one-nil, it becomes a lot, lot, lot harder for Spurs. I'm glad you've kind of brought it on to this, to be honest with you, because we want to talk quickly about the present day before we wrap up. So tell us then for you, I mean, what's the feeling like now looking at, I know this season you, you can't really explain and try and cut the terms of how this season has gone in terms of this COVID-19 crisis we're in, but talk us through your feelings in terms of very quickly, the Pochettino sacking, Jose Mourinho's appointment and the struggles we've had as a club this season watching Spurs as you were, as you're a fan of the club still. So what's that like kind of, that period of losing Poch, appointing Mourinho, what what was your feelings around all that? When you was with Watford that day, could yeah. you did, did you could you already see how Tottenham had, had completely changed that we weren't quite high pressing and, and could you sense that hold on, this is a side that's that's really struggling here? For me there's uh, you know, I have opinions I have opinions on teams, on clubs. Alex Ferguson was always brilliant at building teams within teams. Even when he had a successful team, he would still be building his next team. So, you know, for example, for him as an example, he had um, Pallister and Bruce was his centre-half partnerships. As he's getting them to the end or Bruce is coming to the end, he then goes for Yapstam and Ronnie Johnson, for example. Yeah. Yapstam's there. He has a falling out with Yapstam. He's already signed Ferdinand. Then signed Ferdinand. He's got Sylvester. Sil- uh, Sil- I think. I think that what Maurizio done for Spurs was absolutely incredible. Now we have a situation. And it's nobody's fault. This can't be helped. This is just the way it. This is just the way it goes. It, it's no one's fault. Got a guy who's doing an unbelievable job, but we're led to believe that there's a lack of funds because we are. We, look, don't, don't get me wrong. We've got a great team. We had a great team. We had a great team. A great group of players that were at the height of their powers at that time. And only one or two away, Dean, you probably argue. One or two maybe players away from really adding to that group and pushing up. Yeah, and it might not even be one or two players away. It might be not a bit a bit of luck within a 90-minute game yep, yep. away. You know, when we are talking world-class level elite sport where the margins are so tight, the ball, you know... I went to Northampton Town, was manager in Northampton Town. Someone who lives me forever, and he's a great friend of mine. He's acted as a mentor for me for 10 years, David Pleat. And David Pleat sent me a message on the first day of the season and says, Dean, I wish you the very best. I hope the ball run kindly for you. Everyone needs it. Mm. Now, I think that the circumstances, I think that Maurizio done an unbelievable job, and I think that he was unfortunate, unfortunate um, with the timings of things. So, obviously, White Hart being knocked down, building the new stadium, having to go and play Wembley. Are the funds available? Were the funds available? Were the funds not available for him to be able to add to the squad? We're led to believe no. 
I'm not sure whether there was or whether there wasn't. But when you have a team that has done well and then you, you've you done really well, but you, you obviously to get to the Champions to go in the Champions League every year for four years, three or four years, whatever it was, is a, is no mean feat anyway. But then you just need that extra step where you need to win a trophy. And they couldn't quite do it. And you're thinking, right, would they, could they sign a couple of players here, a couple of players there? But then when you're thinking that they actually need a couple of players, they actually get to the final of the biggest competition in the world. Mm. And then we have a referee that gives a penalty that, to this, I think will will live longer for us to say, oh, that's not a penalty. And, and that's where it changes, isn't it? That, that first minute, or what, 25 <coughs> seconds in, and from that moment on, it, it's, you know, that, that's derailed the club, that, that, that penalty ever since. I mean, I have the, I, listen, the way the football, the, the way the game is now, the, the, we, the game, when you work in the game, and you work in a, professional level as a coach or a manager you're waiting to get the sack <laughs> it's sad isn't it I mean it's so sad you say that but, but I mean but it's, unfortunately it's yeah. the reality we are we are in a results based game mm. on that then Dean results based game tell us then Jose Mourinho just to finish up on what's been a great show having you on what does the future hold for Spurs under Jose Mourinho tell us well I think I think there'll be some changes in the summer. I, I don't think that he... Well, I, I, I don't believe that he would have come in and, and put his reputation... The guy's a serial winner. I don't think he would come into Spurs um, without having some kind of assurances that he's going to be able to, to get some players in regards to the summer. And how, now, how important for you, Dean, also, very quickly, just so you go on on this point, how important is the style? Because Jason, bless him, Jason, we had Jason for three or four years on our show up until this one, where he, we, <laughs> Jason kind of come out of retirement for us in the last couple of weeks because of the style of football under Mourinho. <coughs> he found it very difficult to watch it. So for you, you spoke earlier about the way you used to know Spurs would play that kind of high-press game. With that not being there so much under Mourinho now, how is that like to watch as a supporter when you associate Tottenham with being a flair side going forward, even in your time at the club, we still had those flair, flair players. What is it like now well, watching Tottenham? Let's not bait around the bush. It's not particularly enjoyable, is it? But there's, there's circumstances behind that in the last sort of four, four or five months that the team's been decimated by injuries, especially in the in the offensive in the offensive part of the pitch. You know, I I think that look, we want to compete. And I believe that we can compete 100%. I think that what people can accept is that your tactics when you play against Manchester City are going to be different from, with no disrespect to this football club, but would be different. No one would doubt that the tactics would be different playing against Man City to what they would when you're playing Norwich. But I think people will expect that when we're playing against those teams, people will expect that with the array of talent that we have, we'd be expected to come out firing all cylinders and blow these teams away. Now, 
there's no easy games in the Premier League because of the way teams are setting up now. But you've got to have, in the majority of those games, you've got to relentlessly, we need to relentlessly be on the front foot so that we put so much pressure on these teams that, you know, we'll win these games. They've still got some great players, you know. Yes, that's my point, mate. And, you know, when I I saw us 1-0 up at home to Norwich in a cup tie, we were in the bottom three. And we, like I said, 1-0 up with 15 minutes. And then we try and sit on that. And I'm thinking, hold on, it is Norwich City. We're at home. Sorry, I, I, I can never, I can't, I, I don't want to see Tottenham become Bolton Wanderers in its approach to a game. I, I just can't, I can't have it. I understand, I understand, you know. I think that when you, um, you know, I watched Spurs quite a bit beginning of the season, early on in the season, especially. Um, what, you know, that Watford game, what was the one area Watford said, that's how you're going to get at Tottenham? Was it, not being funny, was it having a look at Oreo? Was it, I think Danny Rose is at left back on the day, did you think, fullbacks, you can really get at them there? Or, well, or what, well what, we, we, Without the ball, we said that we had to close off the middle of the pitch, which is what I was just speaking to you about when we was having this conversation in regards to Winks, about, yep. um, you know, you're saying, oh, he goes sideways and backwards. and this. We basically knew how good he was on the ball and probably short and medium distance passer, he's as good as there is in England. If he's got gaps that he can, that he can feather that ball through, he will do that. Our old... Th- our whole thing was let the fullbacks have it. Let the fullbacks go high. Let them get the foot, and, and then we'll go from there. But we do not let them play through the middle of us. Mm. We do not let we do not let Son. We do not let Ali. We do not let Kane come off into those half spaces between the lines between our back four and our midfield and then be able to thread balls for us in the middle. We knew that we'd have a problem if that happened. And we actually done it fantastically well on the day. You did. Should have had the to, I think you were lucky not to win the game. I'll be honest with you, Dean, from what I can remember. To be fair, we've had, we had a blatant penalty turned down there, yeah. haven't we? With yeah. Delafage, just for our time at 1-0. Yeah. Uh, that was probably as big a turning point in the game. That was one of the things that we looked at doing. That was what our, our whole structure was built off for what we was going to do without the ball of how we were going to try and do it without the ball. And with the ball, we knew that we had the running power of Delafeu, Pereira, Decore. We felt that we could exploit the spaces that the fullbacks left behind, especially the right fullback. Yeah. Especially the right fullback. Yeah. So that yeah. was what our, our game was built. Our game, we knew that we weren't going to, we knew that we weren't going to come to Tottenham and, and dominate possession, and, and but 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 that was never our that was never our intention. We knew that we weren't going to be able to do that against Tottenham, but we felt that we could hurt them on the counter attack with the spaces that they left behind. Yeah, and they did on the day. They did yeah, absolutely. But you know, it's you know, you know, I. I've got to be honest with you. I think that the two styles of the two managers that we're talking about in Maurizio and and uh, Jose, I, I feel are very different. Are very different, and I feel that the players are going to need 
are going to need a period of time of adjustment to that. I think that uh, the most important time for any manager is pre-season. And I know Jose has said, as has alluded to that, that in his press conferences um, before. But the likelihood is, is that he's probably not going to get that now. He will be planning like you, like you will not believe now. As soon as he can get those players back in up regarding this COVID, he's going to want to get them in to be able to do his pre-season. And the pre-season is going to be for the last nine games of this season and next season as well. George crazy though, Dean. Can he moan too much, Dean? He was wishing for the season to end for, for a good couple of four weeks. <laughs> four weeks one and he was wishing for the season to end. But uh, well, you're right, you're right. It, well, he's absolutely crazy. Well, he could swap places with me if he wants because I'd love to be going back to work every single day <laughs> in an environment and a great club like Spurs. So he can come and swap with me if he wants to. It's very, very important to me to give back to the game that I love. So I still coach, I still coach young, young kids. I, I run Valenti Academy for young children from the age of six years old up to 16 up in St Albans. Something that I'm very passionate about with some guys that I've got working with me. So it's very important for me. I, I love the game. I always go back whenever, no matter what job I do is in regards to first team level, I always go back to coach kids um, in between because I think it's, it's very re- re- rewarding. It's good for the soul. Um, it teaches you to be humble. It teaches you to be patient. Um, but it's um, just a time, a time really for reflection, and, and we'll see, we'll see what comes in the future. You know, it's um, you know, but obviously, I, I will take the opportunities when I can when we get back going to get back down the line and watch my team play. <laughs> and to be fair, if this style of football carries on, I think Jace might give you and Kike a call in six months. Jace, what do you reckon? What? <laughs> Uh, that's it. All I'm saying, Rick, is I can't see what Jose's doing different to what Sam Allardyce would be doing. That's that's all I can say at the moment. So that that sums it up. But I think just to to finish off, you know, Dean Dean's character, I think, is is what you have to take and and to go through constant injuries and play the two years he did. But I think Dean's biggest achievement in football, or the, the biggest thing in many ways was actually when he was at Palace and when Palace were put into administration and an injured player really united that group and played through administration and it's not surprising that he's, he's actually a, a bigger legend at, at Crystal Palace and, and I think his period at Palace actually does him more credit than, than probably what he's remembered for at Tottenham and I know I know a few Palace fans and I tell you there's not a single person that ever says a bad word about Dean Austin at Crystal Palace so you know full credit to you for that mate. Is that how you feel, Dean, for you? Would you say you're, you know, what you achieved at Palace to some degree, you're more appreciated by there or do you think by, by both fans? What, what do you see yourself as now? I know you're a massive Spurs fan, but that connection with Palace and Spurs, is it very similar? It's different because I think that, you know, my people ask me about my career, they ask me about my Spurs career and they ask me like, you know, and I said, look, I lived the dream, mate. Don't worry about that. You know, I, I had a lot of problems. I had a lot of injury problems. Um, I wasn't short of the stick that I of of I that I received from the from the fans. That didn't really bother me. I was one of them, and I wanted the best for the club. Year one and year three were brilliant. The rest was a bit a bit of a blur, really. Um, I needed the change. 
I needed the change because not because I wanted to leave Tottenham. The, the day I left Tottenham, the day I drove out of those gates the last time, I cried my eyes out for two days, mate. I, I will not lie to you. It was um, very, very, not a very, very nice time for me as a person. But I needed to do it. Um, I needed to move on. I needed to move on because medically it was not very good at the club at the time. So I definitely needed to do it from that point of view. Um, listen, I signed for Palace originally because of Terry. Terry came in for me. Wanted, he was a massive influence on my career, as I said, both as a player and as a coach. And he wanted to sign me. Um, you know, the first six months at Palace, like, you know, wasn't a great time for me. I was still struggling with these injuries. I had to find a way. Um, I had to find a way to be able to get through games as it was. I was lack, I was fit, but I was lacking match fitness. But to be fair, you know, the um, the turning point for me, I think what defined me at Crystal Palace was was what Jason just spoke about about the administration. We all, anyone that was earning over fifty thousand pound had to take sixty percent wage cuts. Um, all the players abandoned abandoned the ship, so to speak. And I was the most experienced player left behind, and not, I said, "No, I don't want to go. I, I, I haven't. I don't believe that I've shown people. Um, I don't think people have seen the real Dean Austin, and you're probably never likely to see the real Dean Austin. But I think that you need to see a little bit what what Dean Austin's about." And I think this podcast, Dean, when fans hear this, they'll, I think, again, your character, as Jason said, will, will really come across. So for me, it's been an honour to have you on. Thank you ever so much. It's been a real pleasure spending this time with you. And again, really, really appreciate Dean. No, it's, um, guys, it's an, any time. It's been an absolute honour. It's, it's been a pleasure to, for you to have asked me to come on and speak to you guys. Top man. Fantastic to have you on, mate. And I was a bit worried when you was coughing earlier on, especially at, at the moment. I thought, blimey, don't you know? Get yourself, get yourself a glass of water. And <laughs> no, I've, I've had this bit of tickling don't, don't before that. that week, mate. But I'm okay. Don't worry. There's plenty. Of, there's plenty of life in the old dog yet, mate. With a temperature of about forty degrees at the same time. <laughs> 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 no, right. Mate. It's thirty-seven actually. Thirty-seven. Oh. Brilliant. Well, listen, Dean, we wish you all the best for the rest of the say, rest of the season. No, listen, stay well, keep safe, and hopefully we'll see you back in football very, very soon, Dean. I think football needs to see more characters like you, and figures we'll see you back very, very soon. Cheers, chaps. All Top the best. Man. How do you look back on your time at Spurs? With the first and the third years I was there, as in my ability to play, were the best years of my life. Um, at the end of that third year, I tore a meniscus in my knee. I ended up having four operations I think in about 12 months and my career was over. I didn't realise it at the time, it was the thing that killed me. I, I was never, I was never the same after that. Sports Social Podcast Network.